Brilliant. It's good to be back. It feels like it's been a long week because I did a whirlwind tour to Perth over the last couple of days. Uh, now I feel like a proper Jero person because uh, I drove to and from uh, to, to and from Geraldton to Perth in like two days. Uh, so I went there on Friday, did a, a workshop, came back yesterday afternoon. So uh, I hear you guys doing it all the time. So uh, I feel like a proper Jero person now, and uh, I still haven't hit anything on the road yet. So I, I don't know if that's part of part of the initiation. Uh, is roadkill. Uh, hopefully not, because my car will probably just break um, if that happens. So, especially the birds are quite large um, out here. So, so uh, fantastic. If uh, I know there's a bunch of new people here, so welcome. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the I'm the pastor, and uh, I'm going to piggyback on what we started talking about last week. So last week I did a special sermon on women for mums. It was Mother's Day, so happy belated Mother's Day for anyone who wasn't here. Um, it was fantastic. We, well, we made some bookmarks. Um, I'd hold one up if I had one, uh, but I forgot. So, but there's, the leftovers are in the foyer, so it, um, and it was especially it was a, a, a verse and, and what I felt led to talk about last week. So there's some of them in the foyer if you're interested at all. Uh, but last week, we talked about the truth of biblical womanhood. Uh, and there was a little bit of manhood in there as well, actually. But the truth about biblical... Uh, and, they, uh, and I say it like that on purpose, because it's, the truth about womanhood is different from what the society is feeding us. And, it, and it's, it can be different from parts of what Christianity has been feeding us as well. And, uh, you know, depending on people's leanings. So I uh, unpacked that a bit last week. Um, I imagine people enjoyed it, seeing nobody's complained yet, so, uh, so that's good. Uh, the pod, it will be available on the podcast. We had a few issues with the podcasting uh, for the last few weeks, and we're working on it. So if, um, so if you want to catch up on any of the messages we do have, you can get it through our website. And uh, can I just quickly acknowledge, he probably, he'll hate this, but Peter Shaver has been working tirelessly on our website and has been improving it and fixing it and making it so that I can use it, which is handy. And so thank you, Peter, publicly. Um, yeah, I paid him with a box of chocolates. That's about it. Uh, so, uh, and hopefully he enjoyed them. <laughs> um, but you'll be able to receive, get all of our podcasts on our website, but also through Spotify um, and I imagine through other platforms as well. So last week I did unpack a little bit that women were created equal in worth and dignity, uh, and, and which is, like I said, different from what our society has been feeding us for, for a, quite a long time. We, we uh, unpacked a little bit about that, we were, that men and women were designed to fit each other, we were designed to complement each other, that we're quite different in, in our makeup. I, don't think, I think that's fairly, fairly obvious, um, not just physically, but actually in who we are as well, and the gifting and, and talent mix and shape and, and even God-given uh, shape. And so we talked about that and how did God designed us to complement each other and, um, and, and also that we have different roles so, and so that men, uh, God gave men the responsibility, and, but, but he created women to perfectly to be the wonderful partner, the perfect partner, to partner with men in that responsibility. So it's not that man, you know, is to dominate over woman in that. Actually, no, no. He's supposed to bring her right up here because they equally represent God together. Like the God... 
I'm sorry, I'm preaching the same message again. But, but um, together they represent different elements of who God is because we were both created in God's image, man and woman created in God's image. So if uh, you want to know more about that, we, we talked about it last week. And this week I want to build upon that a little bit and actually talk about our purpose. So we, we touched on a little bit of purpose last week in, in that design and as we talked about it. But I want to build on that, um, not specifically for men and women, but to, for us together, as what does our partnership look like? What is it we're supposed to achieve in this world uh, together? And um, God-given, what is our God-given purpose? Because the world has programmed us to think a certain way. The world has told us that our purpose is, is, is really to satisfy yourself. It's really to be selfish. Uh, if the world has told us anything, it's you should pursue happiness, and happiness is the highest goal and the purpose of life. And that's actually not what the Bible says at all. It's not even, it's not even close. Happiness is, is, we get happiness because we are fulfilling our purpose, but it's not the goal. And so let's pray and invite God to speak to us and, uh, and to fill in all the gaps where I leave, where, you know, where my weakness shows up, that God will show up. So Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for your word. We are such a privileged generation. How, you know, when I think of Paul, you know, they only had much of the, just the Old Testament and, and a lot of people couldn't even read and a lot of people, they didn't have access to it. They only knew what they memorized. And um, whereas we have uh, the complete word of God given to us in many different translations and in just about all the languages of the earth. We live in a really privileged generation. And so, Lord, we want to handle your word well. Help us do it because there's so many thoughts and ideas and opinions out there. Lord, I just pray that you can help us as a family, as a congregation to distill your word well. Lord, we invite you to speak to us. We acknowledge that the word, the word of God is written by you. You know, we believe, we all believe it was God inspired that your Holy Spirit spoke to different authors and you told them what to write down. We believe that with faith. And so, Lord, we, we know that you're the author of this word, you know, using human hands. And, uh, and Lord, we just invite you to shape us and talk to us. Tell us what you meant when you wrote this stuff. And so, Lord, we thank you and we just pray that you'll speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to hang out a lot in Genesis today, um, and there will be on the screen if you don't have it. We're going to be mostly in chapter 1 and 2, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. So I'm going to pick up from where, there's a little bit of recap from last week, but as a launching pad, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and I'm reading from the ESV, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Who's God talking to? He's talking to himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three parts of the Godhead and they're chatting. So that's, that's the, the context. Uh, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the, of the heavens, uh, and over the livestock, and over the earth and over everything creeping thing that creeps on the earth. There's a few creepy things on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. So we talked a bit about this week, this last week, but now what I want to draw out is the, the purpose, the God-given purpose, that, that why he created. And so we're going to ha- highlight a bunch of headings uh, today, and there's probably more. I'm sure there's more. Uh, I'm not going to try and tell you that I've managed to find all of our purpose, um, but certainly as I've read the scripture, this is what has jumped out to me. So the first one is that we are designed for dominion. Now, if you've been here for a few months, we have talked a little bit about this, so I won't flesh it out as much as I did then. But we've been made for dominion, uh, to rule the land, to rule the world, to take dominion, to be responsible is the word I was using last week, to be responsible. God gave this to us. He gave this to us as our home. And he asked us, look, you guys are now in charge. Take the, the rule, the order that you see in the Garden of Eden and, and take it to the rest of the world. Uh, and, as, and we're going to talk a little bit more a little bit about that in a minute. But God gave us this place as our home and our will is done here. Uh, again, that's, we've talked a little bit about that as we talked about prayer. But let me just address something else. Many people, and this is a question I've received a lot in youth ministry, uh, with young adults, and to be honest, people in general, this is one of the biggest questions people have, is that if uh, God is this massive God of love, then why, why, why is there death? Why is there disease? Why is there illness? Why is there hate? Why is there poverty? Why is there natural disasters? If, tr- if, if God is truly a God of love, then why does he do this to us? Who has ever heard that question or possibly thought that question? Yeah, well, I get asked that a lot. If, if you have a, a deep and meaningful conversation with someone and who are even considering Christianity, this is something, this is a real issue that you have to, that you have to address. And here's what I've learned. Uh, the world is in the broken state, war, famine, people being hateful to each other. And it's pretty much largely to do with our choices. We, it's our choices, humanity. So when I say us, I mean all of humanity through all of history. It's our choices. And we need to take responsibility for that. God gave us this place as our home. And when he created it, he created it beautiful. It was good. Everything worked well. There was, there were, it talks about there was no prickles on the ground, like there was no weeds. Everything just, just worked. And that was the world, that, that was his heart. That was his desire for us. And it was under his headship. It was under his dominion. It was under his rule. And, and we had a purpose, which is what we're going to talk about. Was, but, and he gave us this place as our home. But what did we do with our choice? The first choice uh, that we made, at least the first negative choice that we made, was to take that responsibility, to take that dominion, and basically say, oh, God, we understand your way, but we're going to do things our way. That's largely what happened in the fall. We, there was a just small temptation. It was like, oh, maybe you can do things your way. You can be equally as powerful as God. You can, you can know good and evil. And ultimately, uh, there was a bit of ignorance there, obviously, but they didn't totally know what they were getting themselves into. But they chose, not your will, God, mine be done. And so the reason there's war and hate 
in the world is actually through human choice. We chose this. We chose not God's will, our will. And effectively, we booted him out. <laughs> I mean, he, he still made the place. He's still God. He's still around. You can't actually kick him out. Um, but you, if, if you unwelcomed him as well, like he's like, okay, you do things your way. All right. Let's, let's try that. There's, the reason there's addictions and there's captivity to sin, it's through human choice. There's the, the reason there's famine and poverty in the world is through human choice. The reason there's deserts and earthquakes and natural disasters is actually because of the worldwide flood, which is spoken about in Genesis 6, which was a result of human choice. Guys, the reason the, world, the answer is the reason the world is messed up and broken is because we chose it. The other question I often get asked, uh, this is, sorry, it's going off topic slightly. The other question I get asked all the time is, oh, why, doesn't sin just take, why doesn't God just take all the sin out of the world? As if sin is something separate from us. Well, what is sin? Sin is just choice. It would be easy for God to fix the sin problem in the world. All he'd have to do is kill all the humans. Like, it's, sin is not this disease that's sitting outside of ourselves. Sin is our own choices that separate us from God. We walking away from God. And uh, God does have a solution. He sent his son. Uh, again, I'm, I'm getting slightly off, but I'm, I love this topic. So um, God sent his son as the solution, and he's got this hope for the future, which all the sin is eradicated, and it's only the people who want to be there will be there in relationship with God, and we call it heaven. Where sin is dealt with. It's a past issue. But the first thing is, but we need to start taking, we need to start taking our responsibility seriously. God gave us dominion over this world. And he asked us to look after it. Now, obviously, um, and like I just finished saying, if God had his way, we'd all be still living in the Garden of Eden. Innocent. And apparently things were really easy to grow there. You know, like you just flick a seed on the ground and it would just grow. Like you don't need to do much. Uh, we'll talk, I'm stealing my own thunder. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But we need to start taking responsibility for the world that God gave us. Part of this dominion was to cultivate, was to cultivate, was to work the ground, was to work the earth. And uh, I don't know why we seem to have uh, kind of subjugated that responsibility to the secular world, like we are God's church. This is part of our job description, is to actually look after the place. And uh, largely, we, we kind of don't. There's a, why do we leave loving the planet, you know, to people who don't know Jesus? We actually, this is our home. He gave it to us and we should look after it. Now, I'm not saying we all become tree huggers. I, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that we need to take this responsibility seriously. And we need to invite God into that and to show us how to, what he would have us do. There was this um, movement that happened. It started in the 70s, I'm told. Uh, but I, I, I grew up in the 90s and it was very, you know, very prevalent there as well. And there was this attitude where it's like, it's all going to burn anyway, so let's not bother. It's all going to burn. It was very much to do with end times theology. The end times are here. They're coming soon. Well, you know, all the Christians are going to leave anyway. This place is going to get... 
uh, the old, because Revelation talks about the old heaven, the old earth will be destroyed and, then, and God will remake it. Fantastic. That is still the truth. I'm not saying that's not true, but what happened is because everyone in the 70s, and like I said, it was still there in the 90s, um, what happened is we kind of extracted ourselves out of the world a bit. We kind of stepped away from leadership in, in, in government and, and in different businesses and different organizations, and we kind of stepped away from, from, from some of this calling, some of this dominion. And let me ask you a question. Do you think that's God's heart? Do you think that's what he wants his church to, to do? All I know is when Jesus returns, I want him to find me busy doing the thing he asked me to do. Now, obviously, uh, the biggest part of that nowadays is actually spreading the gospel. We need to be telling people about how Jesus is fixed, that Jesus is solution, how the gift of heaven is, is the grace. And absolutely, that's our priority number one. But that doesn't actually remove our responsibility from actually looking after the place as well. This is the home that he gave us and we should take, start taking responsibility. Is that all right? I don't exactly know what the implications are for you. Maybe it just starts in your garden. You know, and it's, it's not just, obviously, I'm not just talking about the garden. It's actually taking responsibility for the way the world is. And so we need to start praying for our leaders. We need to start praying for our government. We need to start finding ways that we can bless, finding ways that we can actually get involved in, in, these, in, in whatever, in, in our community. We should be a blessing. Jesus' remnant here on earth is us. We are his church. We are here to represent him. And it is definitely his heart to bless the community, to be a blessing. So we should not only be praying for people in power, in government, in council, but maybe we should be trying to partner with, maybe we should start becoming those people. Anyway, I'll put a pin in that. The second point. We are created to work. We were designed to work. There's this little phrase in Genesis 2, um, verse 5. And it's actually, the, the context is it's before God made everything. It's before he made mankind. And, it's bef and it, it says in there, before he sent the water, I think the, the verse will be on the screen. Before he even sent rain for the first time, for everything to start growing, he said, no, 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 before we do that, we actually need man to work the ground. He said, there's no man to work the ground. And so we were actually, as part of our design, we were created to actually work the ground. Now, obviously, our job description has expanded from then, because back then it was, a, it, was, it was a garden, and that was the job description. Let's look after this place and expand God's way of doing things to everywhere. And uh, nowadays, our, our society is a lot more sophisticated than that. So I'm not suggesting we all become farmers, um, but, but, we should all, but we were designed to work. We shouldn't be dull bludgers. <laughs> now, obviously, sorry, there's lots of good reasons why people need, um, you know, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I, I'm, but I am saying we were designed and created by God and blessed to be productive. Now, what does that look like? It looks like something different for everyone. Genesis 2, uh, before, like I said, 
Um, is it on the screen? Do we have Genesis 2 there? I might have missed it off, off the screen. But if you're looking at Genesis 2, it does talk about um, God didn't even bring rain to the earth yet because he hadn't created mankind yet. We were a vital piece that was missing. There was a vital piece missing. So not only, uh, I, I believe that actually God created everything actually because he liked the idea of humanity. He wanted sons and he wanted daughters. That was the whole purpose behind creation in the first place. But we had a vital role to play, which this verse talks about. We were created to work. We were created to be productive. And you can see it. Like, for example, especially with men, you can see it um, even where, as men retire. Uh, we still need to be able to put our hand to something, right? Uh, otherwise, you kind of you know, just shrivel up and die. Like, we actually still want to be productive. We still want to be... My parents have been retired for years, and I think they're busier now than they ever were. Um, uh, and a lot of it, you can be volunteer, you know, volunteering at the church. It could be sometimes people take up uh, a different kind of role uh, that's a, a lighter load, something manageable. But we all need something, right? We all need to, to be productive in some way. And uh, it becomes really evident when we actually start to look at the curses in, in Genesis 3. So you can turn there if you want. We'll have some of them on the screen. But the, if you look at the curses, this was the result of mankind. Um, so when you look at men, okay, the curse, just back up one screen, the curse that we were created, um, we were created to work. And the, so therefore the curse on men on, on the masculine half, was actually, and you're right, I don't think I have these, these um, verses on the screen, but the curse for men specifically was actually God is now going to curse the ground because, and now you're going to have to work hard. And it says by the sweat of your brow. You're going to actually, you're gonna, it's, it's now not just going to produce easy. It would seem that in the Garden of Eden, God's first idea was that everything would just grow fairly easy and it would be fairly a, a pleasure to be productive. But now you're going to have to work hard. And that's the, the curse on men is now we actually have to work hard. I think most men, we understand, you know, we understand our role um, and, and we do enjoy working. I'm, I love to work on my days off. Uh, I love to actually get physical and there's something really satisfying about doing something physical, you know, building something. Um, something very satisfying about that, but it, sometimes it's hard and you have to... And, and it says that's when thorns and thistles, because the ground was now cursed. It, it was hard, and thorns and thistles became a thing at that point. And so when you look at men, and when you look at, even when you look at, so what, what was our um, response? Our response to the curse, now we have to work hard, and so now every time, now we try and get out of working hard. And I mentioned this a little bit last week. Men part of the response to the curse for us is that now we actually try and get out of working hard or we try and make our lives easier. And so if you look at men's magazines, now um, at least the PG ones, you can put that up now. If you look at men's magazines, um, the, there's, it's a lot about uh, tools. So we've created many tools to make our lives easier. So we can actually, it's, it's a part of us trying to overcome this curse about actually working hard, uh, and you're right, it's some, it's, sometimes it's fairly impossible to do a job without the right tool. Um, and so if you look at, 
and the other bits, like technology, there's a technology magazine. It's all about overcoming. How do, we, how do we make our lives easier? How do we make our lives easier? And the other part for men is, because uh, we're always trying to get out of doing work, <laughs> is uh, so we, we create things to make our life easier. But then the other thing we do is escape. We try and escape working by with leisure. Um, like I said, I'm just ignoring a whole... Um, demographic of men's magazines, um, but on purpose. Um, so, but if you look at sport, you know, cars, bikes, adventure, um, it's all about actually getting away. It's about getting away from work. We love getting away and going on holidays and, and spending leisure time. So men, we were created to work. All of a sudden, work was hard. So now, as a result, we largely try and escape uh, working hard by either creating tools or just getting away. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me at all? All right. Women. Women are different. Surprise. Um, women are different, and their curse was actually different. If you look at Genesis 3, verse 16, it says the, the woman's curse was actually now, again, acknowledging her design, acknowledging her very special part of her design is for relationship. Women are created to be very relational. And there's one relationship that a woman is probably the strongest in a woman's life, and that is with her children, for really good reasons. God actually designed it like that. You carried them in your own body for like nine months. You have a very intense connection with your children, and that's a God-given thing. And it's beautiful, it's wonderful. But now, that relationship was going to cost you a lot of pain. I don't have to convince you of this. Anyone who's given birth knows that it's a very painful ordeal. And so, that was actually the, the curse from the Garden of Eden. You Acknowledging, uh, so men's was about we were created to be productive and to work. Not saying women weren't created to work, but I'm saying men's specific Shape was about work, and so their curse was to do with their work. Women were specifically created to be relational, to relate to Adam, to, to men, to relate to their children, to, to raise them, to, to mould their children and, and, and turn them into functional adults. Um, men are obviously supposed to do that as well, uh, but we have different ways of doing that. And so now that relationship was going to cost Eve a lot of pain. And so what is women's result of, of that pain is actually now women's biggest issue is we try and, they try and, you, try and control relationships. So men is largely trying to escape the curse by, you know, tools and by escapism. And, and women is actually trying to control relationships. And if you look at women's magazines, again, the PG-rated ones, go ahead and flick to the next screen, you'll see it's actually, a, a lot of it's about beauty, and, and even beauty is about how do I make you like me? And the, the biggest revelation for me was actually women actually get dressed up for other women, not actually for the, often, for not, not necessarily for the men. But to make yourselves more appealing, more attractive, it's, it's a kind of a, a control, it's an element of control. But, it, but even if you look at other, it's always, all the magazines are about, oh, how do I, how do I make my man into a better man? How do I make my man listen to me? How do I make my kids listen to me? How do I make my kids sleep? It's all, a lot of it is about, it's about how do I control these relationships? And so these are, I've just outlined two of the 
purposes and the flip side of that, because of the brokenness of our world, is the things that we struggle with. Does that make sense? Thank you. That one person said, very emphatic. I, I like that. So, um, no. So, uh, I, again, I'm going to move on, but this is uh, something that's so interesting and so fascinating. We were created for purpose, and that uh, the curses were specific and designed uh, for one for men, one for women. I, I won't even talk about the serpent. Um, and obviously, death came into the world at that point, too. So, Okay, the next point. We were designed to be creative. Do we have any creatives in the room? Some people have special gifts in creativity. Um, but we were designed to be creative. So in Genesis 1.26, uh, again, we've kind of read this. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Skip forward. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is the creator. And he created us in him, his image, and he's actually designed us to be creators. So when we see an issue, when we see a problem, he's given us a creative mind to try and figure out a solution. Men, women, we do that differently uh, and, and wonderfully and beautifully. You know, together, we're much better off together. But we, are, we, we come up with creative solutions to things. Uh, we come up with creative ideas for things. And even when you look at the arts, God loves the arts. Did you know that? God loves the arts. In fact, one of the first people that was filled with the Spirit of God was this guy named Bezalel. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Bezalel, uh, in Exodus 35, um, the Lord God called him by name, Bezalel. Uh, son of Uri, so I'm just going to skip through this a little bit. He filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and intelligence and knowledge, with all the craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work with gold and silver and bronze, etc. This was actually in reference to the temple. He was, gonna, he was the guy that God gifted to make the temple beautiful. He, he was one of the first people that was actually filled with the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. Uh, and certainly the first one I can think of that actually with this specific gift. God loves, he loves beauty. He loves the creator. He loves the arts so much so that he's in fact, that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And especially for some people, he gifts them in this particular way. And it was intelligence and knowledge of specifically of craftsmanship. Beautiful. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Next one, God designed us to obey boundaries. Now, this is a bit controversial in today's day and age. Today's day and age, we don't like boundaries. Um, but Genesis 2, verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, uh, and every tree that seeds fruit, and it shall be there for food. Where, where am I going with this? Well, God, he, he didn't say, you can do whatever you want. He didn't put us in the garden and it's like, okay, what do you want to do? Like, you know, your truth is your truth. Uh, how do you want to do it? Like, no, no, he, he actually designed us with specific things in mind. Like, there were, there were boundaries. In a, in a moment, not long after their creation, 
God passed every animal in front of Adam and his job was to name them, which is an order. Just the fact they even have a name means, you know, it's, it's a bit of order. But Adam wasn't looking at all those animals going, hmm, that one looks tasty. You see where I'm going. Um, when he passed all the animals in front, he wasn't kind of, you know, designing a menu plan. Like, that wasn't part of the creation. Actually, part of the creation was they were created. We were, the food that was given to us was specific. It was the seed-bearing um, vegetables and it, and, and it was the fruit. God has made us in a specific way. He gave us, there was one rule in the Garden of Eden. Um, there were, so there were boundaries. God created us actually in boundaries, and boundaries make us feel safe. If you know anything about parenting, um, boundaries make kids feel safe. They need them. Otherwise, they'll be horrible. <laughs> we need boundaries. We were created for boundaries. Now, so I am partially saying God created us to be vegetarian. But let me just, before you throw anything at me... Um, let me complete that, all right? Let me finish that story. I absolutely believe there was... It, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if when we get to heaven, we discover all this fruit and all these vegetables, uh, all this particular food that was given to us for, for, for food, that's not available anymore, okay? The, like the world that we live in, the, even the flood, uh, I think a lot of it's gone extinct, or at least some of it has gone extinct, Okay, and obviously you go to different parts of the world, you get different plants and stuff. Like we don't have the complete um, thing now, um, the complete menu that, that they would have had back then. So, uh, and so let me just read Genesis 9 verse 3. This is, the flood has now happened, uh, the world is now a very different place and God changes that up. He changes the boundaries, he actually moves the boundaries when it comes to food. And he said... Um, now, he's talking to Noah and, and his sons and their wives and his own wife. Uh, every moving thing, this is Genesis 9 verse 3, every moving thin, thing that lives shall be food for you. <clears throat> and as I give you green plants, I give you everything. As I, sorry, as I gave you green plants, past tense, now I give you everything for food. So God changed the boundaries. But there were still boundaries. Because in the very next verses, he says, don't eat each other. Good news. Um, I think, because it goes straight into, and don't kill each other. It, it's murder and, and there'll be consequences. So, um, so there's still boundaries, right? Um, we were created for boundaries. And so, look, if you're a vegetarian, God speed to you. I think we, it is actually the better. I think it is part of our design. You're probably better off like that but you uh, might not have enough, and so you might need supplements there, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but if you're a red-blooded Australian like me who loves meat, that's cool too. Um, okay, next one. We were designed to partner with God. We were designed to partner with God. Genesis 1.8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but when God made us, it was before the fall, we we're living in the Garden of Eden, God actually physically came and hung out with us. He came and hung out with Adam and Eve every day. Well, he doesn't say how often, but they 
it was often enough for them to recognize his sound in the garden. They recognized his footsteps or whatever the sound of God was when he rocked up. So God rocked up in a physical form and actually spent time with them, which makes sense, right? Because if he created us for relationship, then that makes a lot of sense. And they knew him. They knew his voice. They chatted with him. He, I think he showed them how to do stuff. In fact, a little bit later, in the, after the fall, he actually uh, he, he made them clothes. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he showed them how. And certainly even after they left the Garden of Eden, they continued to have a physical relationship with him. I don't know if you know that, but Cain and Abel, they knew God. And they spoke to him face to face, it would seem. They knew him. And God continued that relationship beyond. And I think he showed them how to do lots of different stuff. In fact, if you look at the archaeology, which is much, for, uh, for someone who um, doesn't believe the, the biblical account, this is really weird. It's very strange because they like to believe we evolved from lower beings like monkeys. That, and so the, the only thing that fits then is the longer you go back in history, the dumber people were. And we're actually in, uh, we're improving. Whereas actually, it's probably the opposite way around if you look at the Bible. Uh, they would have had a perfect genetic structure in the Bible. Their bodies, they lived a lot longer back then. And they had a personal relationship with God who was showing them how to do things. And when you look at archaeology, they, they are baffled by the technology you know, of the Egyptians, and they look at all these stuff, and they're like, wow, the Aztecs, and they're like, how did they know this stuff? We've, in fact, forgotten a lot of this technology, and we're even just rediscovering it as we look at their stuff. It's incredible, but it makes sense in the biblical text that they knew God, they lived a long time, so they got to pass on a lot more stuff. Nowadays, probably the one benefit we have is that we record things better. And, so, and we school our children better. Um, whereas that's probably the only advantage we've got. And that's why over the last you know, few hundred years, we're getting better. We've improved. But I don't think that's the case over whole, all of history. But we were designed to partner with God. We were designed to, as his children. They recognized his sound. And when we choose to open the door of that relationship again now on this side of the cross. That's what Jesus has made available to us. Now we can have that relationship with him again. God can do incredible stuff and he wants to speak to you. He wants to show you things. He wants to teach you. He wants to talk to you. Uh, we, sh we should be the most profound people on the, on the world, on the planet, because we've got the Holy Spirit in us. And if we can just listen to him, I imagine there's some profound truths that he can teach us. Really, it's an unfair advantage over the rest of the world. But that's part of who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be God's representatives in this world. Not claiming knowledge for ourselves, but saying we know God. And therefore, this is God's way. And of course, God is incredibly uh, intelligent and wise and discerning. Here's an example um, there's this guy named Matt McPherson. Matt McPherson, he's alive today, so this is a, a, modern, um, a modern example. And so he, he is a, he's a Christian man, he's an entrepreneur, 
Uh, he's started a couple of companies. If you're a guitarist, he started McPherson Guitars. Um, it's an acoustic guitar brand. Uh, I've not, I'd not heard of them, but, um, but it's a, like a boutique kind of guitar brand. And then, and he's also started Matthew Incorporated, which is the largest bow manufacturer in the world. You know, bows and arrows, compound bows. And it's a profound story, a profound story. Um, so let me give you the summary. Um, so the compound bow was, was invented in 1966. All right, now this guy, Matt McPherson, um, he's a passionate follower of Jesus. He was an avid bow hunter, he, so he grew up. Uh, hunting with a bow and arrow, and he was really passionate about it. And, and there was one day in the 1980s that he was uh, asked, just chatting with God and just trying to be creative, using that creative element, and just saying, oh, and, and, and I imagine he asked God for a solution. He was like, how do we get this compound bow to become better? Whatever the issue was that he had identified, you know, and he was just trying to, he was, and he'd fallen asleep thinking about it, I imagine. Because that night, he actually had a vision. He had a dream from God. And the dream was the schematics of this new design of a compound bow. And he woke up and he drew it all down and wrote down all the details and as specifically as he could remember them. And then from that, he invented what's called the inner cam compound bow. Which, and, and, there, and then he created his business with compound bows and is now the biggest compound bow designer and, and manufacturer in the world. His compound bow design revolutionized the industry. And it was actually a partnership with God. God going, son, I've made an assumption that he probably prayed about it, but um, son, I want to I partner with you on this. See, it's not just spiritual matters that God's interested in. He's actually interested in our everyday. The stuff that you are passionate about, God loves that and he's passionate about it. My son loves animals. He's an, he watches all the documentaries. I'm starting to love animals because he loves animals. Does that make sense? You guys, yeah, you're picking up what I'm putting down? Like when you love someone, you end up loving what they love. And you end up being passionate about what they're passionate about. And it's not because you love the thing. It's actually because you love them. And God wants that relationship with you. In that normal everyday stuff. This guy was interested in bows. And, um, and God gave him an incredible design. Now, as it turns out, now today, uh, he sponsors at least, it says on, his, on the website I'm referring to, which I can give you a link to. It's called... Faith-driven entrepreneur. If you can figure out how to spell entrepreneur, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org, uh, and uh, this is where I got this is the article. But he sponsors over seven hundred missionaries and a bunch of different Christian organisations around the world. He started a business called Lost Camo. Lost Camo. If you is there, are there any hunters in the room? Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, have you heard of Lost Camo? It's an American thing, so, you know, we're not in America. But Lost Camos is a brand, and 100% of the proceeds goes towards mission of, of his business. So he started a business, and 100% of the proceeds go towards Christian mission. 
because that's what he's passionate about. It's fantastic. So what is my point? God created us for relationship. He, create, he wants to partner with us in our lives. If you've got an issue, even if you consider it an unspiritual uh, issue, talk to him about it. He's incredibly intelligent. He's perfectly wise. He's perfectly discerning. And he loves you more than anything. So chat with him about it. And listen, because I think he wants to, he wants to help. I'm a dad. I love helping my kids. It's a... It's, he wants to partner with us. And we were designed for that relationship. It's part of that father-son. That's what it is. He wants to be our father in heaven. And he wants you to be his son and his daughter he created you for that relationship. I, I know I'm covering that same ground. I just feel like somebody needs to hear that again. We were created for that relationship. And it's a beautiful one. Step into it. Remember, we're the ones who walked away from him. Do we have another song? Sure. Be ready. Um, just as I, as I wrap up, We've talked about a, a bunch of different uh, things. If you could just flick that screen on the air, thank you. So we're designed for dominion. We're designed for multiplication. Oh, did I skip that one? I thought this went quicker than I thought. I must have skipped it. So we were designed for multiplication. Um, let me just really quickly, be fruitful and multiply. That was God's idea. Family is God's idea. We were designed to have children. Now, I'm not saying, look, if, if, if you feel called to singleness, awesome. Paul, the, 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 the Apostle Paul said, look, that's fabulous. That way you can commit yourself to the mission of, mission of God. So I'm, I'm not degrading that at all. But, but family was God's idea. And he created us to, in fact, populate that world. And part of that is actually, it is the parents' role to disciple their children, to show them their purpose. To, to introduce them to God and to, and to teach them the purposes like what we, we've just been talking about today. Now, um, we're actually going to lean into this this time. That was just a brief introduction, but next week and, um, and probably some weeks after. You made us with purpose. So many people accuse you of just you know, getting the ball spinning like the earth and, just, and, just, and then stepping away and being unrelational. But that is not you at all. That is not what your word says. That's certainly not my experience. You are an incredible God and you love us intensely. And so, Lord, we, we want to step in. We want to lean in. We recognize that it was us as in humanity, our forefathers are the ones who stepped away from relationship with you. And, Lord, we want to be people who's intentionally stepped towards you. Show us how to do it. Teach us your ways, Lord. We want to be people who follow Jesus intentionally and on purpose. Uh, we want to be a church that actually disciples other people and how to do that. It's this beautiful thing. Family was your idea and you've actually created us to learn from each other. 
to learn from each other. Not just from the pastor who preaches once a week, but to actually our lives rub off on each other and follow me as I follow Christ. And so, Lord, as we unpack that over the future weeks, Lord, I just pray for your wisdom and please show us how to do that. We want to be people who follow you intentionally and on purpose. So, God, we thank you and we love you and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm just going to come and stand over here. And if there's someone who wants prayer for something, or if you want to pray to accept Jesus, if you want to step into this relationship, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. And I know there was someone who put their hand up last week, and I haven't actually had the chance to touch base with you. So I would certainly uh, welcome that opportunity to touch base with you. So feel free to come down uh, either during this song or after the service. Thank you so much. Let's stand and sing our last song together. This one talks about praising God.